bottom line up front. Welcome to this episode of 15 Minute CMO, where we are bringing you the best highlights from the previous month's episode. Specifically, Zoe Hawkins taught us how to optimize a ever-growing content library. Brittany Geronimo helped us think about how to build an ever-growing content library by maximizing time with subject matter experts. And Justin Lynch brought a what-so-what-now-what approach to brand strategy. Let's get into it. I am your host, Steve Lachance, and as is tradition, we're going to start off a recap with some new data of all things. Before we get into it, head over to discerner.com, that's D-I-S-C-E-R-N-R.com slash 15-M-I-N to reserve your copy of my book, Marketing for Product-Led Growth. There you will find a steep, steep discount for you to claim, as is your right for listening to 15-Minute CMO. So what's this new data? Now, throughout the month, I conduct rather unprofessional polls. Uh, by that, I mean don't cite them in any scientific literature, but the numbers are real. We've got five of them, six of them today, and then we'll get right into the recap of the last month's episodes. So first poll, what is top of mind for you when considering a new company versus your current role? The context here would be, uh, what are you looking for? And what are you thinking about when you're looking for a new job? The three options were a mission you align with, better pay, opportunity for career growth. Now, mission you align with got about 26% of the vote, better pay 28%, but the far and uh, far away most popular answer was actually opportunity for career growth. I would assume that calling out better pay in a separate answer would mean folks who answered opportunity for career growth were thinking about it differently than just say newer, bigger, better paychecks. Second one is less to do with your career and more to do with your day to day. And it's, do you eat breakfast? The options were yes, no. And I introduced a third one here, see results, which gave folks the opportunity to interact with the poll without having to um, tell us what they were actually thinking. It's fine by me. Hopefully it's fine by you. So to the question, do you eat breakfast, 70% said yes, 27% said no, and 4% skipped the question and said see results. Fast math out there, you're saying, Steve, that doesn't add up to 100%, and you're 100% correct. I rounded. Moving on. Uh, more podcast-focused question here, how long are your favorite podcasts? This had four options. The first one being C results. Second one was approximately 30 minutes. Third option was approximately 45 minutes. Last option was 60 minutes or more. Going down the list, 9% said C results. Just tell me the answer. 55% said approximately 30 minutes. 10% went for a 45-minute mark. And 25% said they're listening to their podcast or their favorite podcast, rather, are an hour or longer. Now, interestingly, this poll generated quite a bit of commentary. And what it pointed to was a real answer, which was basically not on the board. And it was this sort of, it depends. And what it depended upon was the content of the show and whether or not the host was any good. Um, you know, we're about three minutes into this one. So hopefully you're sticking around and I'm doing okay. Conspicuously absent from this list of choices was a 15 minute option. I wonder why. <laughs> um, the next question in here was what is getting toward the upper limit of your purchase limits, right? 
without needing prior approval. How much money can you spend without having to go ask the boss, basically? There were four options, 100, 500, 1,000, 2,000. 8% could spend up to 100 before they got to ask, 15% said 500, 31% said 1,000, and 46% of people responded that they've got up to around 2,000 bucks before they need to worry about bringing anyone else in on the decision. That matters quite a bit. Uh, not surprisingly, though, it was the fancier titles like CMO and VP who were gravitating towards the upper end of that spectrum. And overall, they were seemed to be the most likely to answer. Um, I do suspect some significant biases here. This is definitely one of those you don't want to take to the bank or to a pricing strategy meeting later in the month. Uh, second to last question here I promise for you is, do you regularly seek and solicit feedback from your customers to inform your marketing strategy? The answers were yes or no. 73% said yes. 27% said no. And I'll be honest with you, I'm impressed with the honesty here. More than a quarter of people went on the record and said, nope, we don't seek or solicit feedback from our customers to inform our marketing strategy. Now, I'm not really surprised that, uh, you know, maybe this is a situation where marketing is just being cut out of the customer feedback loop, which, by the way, is an absolutely terrible decision. You should loop marketing in on all of your customer feedback uh, loops. They are, after all, the ones who are setting expectations for the wider market about who you are, what you do, and how you do it, and why anyone should trust you. Now, the last question is a bit of a doozy, really. Uh, simple enough. Are you getting enough mentorship or coaching? This is certainly uh, a self-reflection and an opinion made out there. There were two answers, optional, no or yes. 81% of people said they are not getting enough mentorship or coaching. That number speaks for itself. Um, I would say if no matter where you are, whether you're getting enough mentorship or coaching, it doesn't really matter so much as there's an opportunity to be the solution. Find yourself a mentee. Be a coach. Uh, be the change you want to see in the world, and I don't mean that in a cliche or uh, saccharine way. 81% um, of people out there are looking for more mentorship, more coaching. Here's an opportunity for us to step up, fill in that role. Now, let's roll into the episodes here. Um, we got Justin Lynch from Avalier, uh, Avalier, sorry, Avalier, Brittany Geronimo of Geronimo Content, and Zoe Hawkins from Sumo Logic. Let's start with Justin and work down. Justin is a brand strategist, and his three key points are that psychographics matter more than demographics, branding starts at a customer level, and people aren't targets. Looping back to the beginning here. Now, the difference between uh, demographics and psychographics, because he's taking the stance, and I agree with him, that psychographics matter more than demographics. So demographics are like the stuff you find on a census, such as age, gender, race, location, employment status, maybe household income, uh, these sorts of things. Whereas psychographics are really more about helping you understand how an individual uh, makes a decision and why they might make a decision. Think about things like their personality, the things that they value, their attitude towards certain ideas, uh, interests, lifestyles. You know, those key elements are different than simple you know, name, race, age, gender, location, etc. 
knowing why an individual makes a decision and how they go through the decision-making process is far more valuable to marketers and in Justin's line of the world, developing a brand that speaks to uh, ideal customers. Which brings us to his point, which is that branding does start at the customer level. Customer, not prospect. You're looking for an ideal customer profile uh, who's actually already paying you money, right? So there's potential uh, deals, there's prospects out there, there's IDCs and IDTs that we've all built as marketers before, but what you really want to focus on is individuals who are already paying you for what you do, and they're happy about it. And they, or they fit uh, you know, the model of an individual that you want to be your, your perfect customer and talking to them about who you are and what you do and what they need most importantly and how you can help them is going to move your brand further down the journey than, uh, you know, just sort of starting with kind of the perfunctory. Now, identifying who your ideal customer is so you can focus the research into which psychographics matter and how to find the answers to what they are that we just mentioned uh, gets done. So you want to put all of that in front of the perfunctory. And when I say perfunctory, and I'm talking about logo creation, color schemes, brand font trivialities, et cetera, et cetera. You can put all that on the back burner. Part of this, though, involves changing our mentality and changing our phrasing. People aren't targets. Justin will be the first to tell you this. In fact, it's what draw, uh, drew me to him to ask him to come on the show to begin with. Uh, he prefers the phrase ideal customer profile uh, over target persona. That's because anything that's been labeled a target has been dehumanized. Targets aren't actually real. Typically, target personas, as we marketers know them, exist as sort of PowerPoint slides somewhere on a strategy deck, and you're better off talking to real people. Speaking of talking to real people, Brittany Geronimo of Geronimo Content had a lot to teach us about talking to the people inside your company and how you can leverage those resources to better your content strategy. Essentially, you want to be talking to your SMEs. Content in general, the content function of your company and your marketing engine is the center of mass for your brand's voice, and you want to do more with what you've already got. That's not a new message, but she does have a new, interesting, and expert take on what to do there. Going through it briefly here, SMEs, essentially, your subject matter experts within your organization are here. They can rescue you. You should be leveraging them. And actually, you want to start with your SMEs. Your SMEs, your subject matter experts, know the technical language, and they definitely understand the technical problem that your ideal customer profile is trying to solve every day. They also know how you're solving them. So you can get a great feel for what that conversation would look like. And meeting your ideal customers in the place where they like to be, speaking a language that they know, is better than dumbing things down to the lowest common denominator. So leverage your experts to bring you up to speed. Your goal one tomorrow is to go put some thought into how you specifically can invest in the SME relationships that already exist at your company. I mentioned that content is the center of mass for your brand's voice. The content team is the team that um, creates right, marketing assets. They create sales collateral, ad copy, etc. And content, thinking ahead, because it takes time to create these things, has a plan and should have a plan uh, to 
roll out multiple campaigns and the content that's needed to deliver in each of them. A lot of times we might find ourselves falling behind where content then assumes this role of sort of the short order cook in the restaurant. We're just sort of pumping out orders, words, phrases, and white papers, blogs, etc., as needed or as demanded by someone else in the company. Regaining control uh, over the entire exercise is going to put not only you, but everyone else in a better position to understand uh, what it is you're doing and why you're doing it and why anybody should really care. Filtering everything through the content team's plan of action was is going to really benefit the entire enterprise, and most importantly, it's going to benefit the customer. Now, what we really talked about for the bulk of that call was around these you know, optimizing interviews with SMEs, subject matter experts. And she talked quite a bit about, and I was really enthralled with, how you can do more with one, right? Instead of doing more with less, but just do more with one. You really only get so many minutes with your subject matter experts because they're busy being experts and building things. So when you've got a chance to talk to someone face-to-face in a Zoom or whatever, you want to make sure you're not consuming relationship capital for the sake of like one languishing content piece uh, in one campaign. That's just a really poor ROI. So have your content campaigns planned out. Know what you don't know. Pre-send some questions to the SME you're going to have a conversation with after you've already got them to agree to sit down with you for 45 minutes or whatever. Record that conversation. Make more than one quality content piece for more than one quality campaign, and you're going to be well on your way to shifting that center of mass towards the brand's voice that you want it to be. This leads us to what Zoe Hawkins from Sumo Logic uh, had to teach us. The fact of the matter is, you probably have a mountain of content. Uh, primary sources of these mountains of content could include a legacy culture of sort of founder blogger or maybe an all hands creating all the time type mentality as your organization was first starting to spin up. Maybe you're in it right now. There's a chance that you've just inherited a library of mixed media, Uh, maybe a content factory that you yourself spun up one or two pivots ago is still pumping out this industrial content waste. As we just outlined, doing more with one above is certainly going to lead to an ever-growing content library. The fact of the matter is very few people ever delete anything. It just sort of languishes on the website. Ultimately, as Zoe tells us, having thousands of pages on your website is not the way to grow. It was a way 10 plus, 20 plus years ago when we started our careers uh, and her and I joked about, but those days are dead uh, and only the content that matters should be maintained or optimized. So when you're going through your content library, be on the lookout for ROT, R-O-T, which stands for redundant, obsolete, and trivial. Anything not on the bubble or above should be deprecated. What that means and how to do it, go take a listen to each of these episodes. You'll be all caught up soon enough. We'll see you out there.